This is the Hashtag One Fear podcast, where the fear of the Lord and passion for Scripture guide us to truth. With so many options to decide what truth is, looking to God in Scripture can often be ignored, misapplied, or denied altogether. Hashtag One Fear exists to bring God in Scripture first in the pursuit of truth in a well-thought manner. Welcome to the Hashtag One Fear podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hashtag One Fear podcast, and today we have a special edition, Your Childhood Bible Stories Ruined, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. <laughs> <laughs> so we have up in the upper room, myself, Dominic, and my wife is here to uh, listen in on the conversation that we are going to have with our two eldest Judah. Hi. And Sophia. Hi. Hi. <laughs> All right. So I had you guys read Genesis chapters two and three. Yes. Right? All right. So it was kind of long. It, well, yeah, it is. So we're going to look at those two chapters and we're going to ask these two a couple questions about what they thought about certain things in the uh, creation of mankind humankind all right so are you guys ready yes yep okay then let's get into it all right so the first question what did you guys read Genesis chapter 2 and 3. Okay, what did you read in there, though? I remember that at the end of chapter 2, the Bible said that Adam and Eve were naked. And in chapter 3, God said that you were formed in dust, and dusty you shall return. Should I be worried that you remember the naked part and the dust part? No, (laughs) it's normal. It's normal? (laughs) And that if you eat the fruit or touch the tree, then you'll die. What's a shrub? What's a shrub? Yes. A shrubbery, What's a shrub? like like bushes and stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're, already we're getting off topic. So Judah, what were you saying? God said that if you eat into the tree of uh, whatever it's called, then you'll die. Or if you touch the tree, then you'll die. It's called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I thought it was a pear tree. No. I'm just kidding. Um, so, actually, I think God told them, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat it, eat from it, you will certainly die. But then what did the snake tell them? What did the serpent say? You must eat it. No. And did you guys read it? You'll <laughs> be like God if you eat them. And you'll you know, be like God. And you'll know all good and evil. Is what I read. If you eat from it, you will be like God, knowing the knowledge of good and evil, and you will never die, or something like that. Well, notice that God said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right? Yes. The serpent But serpent, him. what did the serpent say? Did, did God really did say Did God you really can't? say you must not eat from any 
tree in the garden. All right, do you guys hear the difference though? Yeah. What's the difference? God said that you can only eat that you cannot eat from only one certain tree, but the serpent said that she said none of the trees. Right. So he kind of twisted what God was saying. God was like, eat anything you want, just not from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then the serpent's like, wait, did God really say you can't eat any of the fruit? And the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil is in the middle of the garden. In the middle. <laughs> Why do you think it's located in the middle? So that you know where it's located and you know which one it is. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Well, we're me and Danielle are going to get into a little bit about any significance of location of the tree. Mommy's later. the only one that hasn't but, talked in this video yet. Well, she's not mic'd up. This is this is your conversation, Judah. And Sophie's. And Sophie's, yeah. You hesitated before you listed me. I, oh my gosh. Female. Female. <laughs> now Sophie talked. <laughs> now mom talked. I apologize for hesitating. <laughs> I was trying to eye down Judah. <laughs> what, hon? What about uh, anything else significant? No. God said that because of what the serpent had done, he shall be cursed and he shall crawl on his belly for the rest of his life and something about his head being crushed. And he will eat dust. And I already said that. Genesis 3.14 reads, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. What does enmity mean? En enmity. What does enmity? Is to have like str uh, strife with each other, always fighting, bickering, warring. Uh, I feel like we're learning some grammar in this episode. <laughs> and he also said to the woman, he said, um. I will make your pains. She's reading. In childbearing, severe, with painful labor, that you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. So, what about that? Adam must guard Eve whenever she has children. I like it. Yeah. What were you going to say? I like it. Is it accurate? <laughs> um, well, by the time you get to the New Testament, it is. Are you guys it's going It's verified, to... I should say. What? Are you ever going to do a video about Christmas that we can be in? Video. An, An episode? episode? Probably. Maybe one on Thanksgiving, too. We're going to talk about turkey. <laughs> gobble, gobble. <laughs> How many days were they alive? I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> Do you have any questions about the 
chapters we read. Like about chapter Adam. two and three, after what you guys read. What does it mean that God took Adam's ribs and used it, them to form Eve? That is a very good question. The simplest answer. <laughs> okay, there really is no simple answer, but uh, it's all it's a way of saying that they are that, that hum, humans are a distinct creation of gods whereas everything that he formed he he made and there are these living beings the plants the animals um everything that he created but then when he created adam he god breathed his breath into him so there's this distinction between all these other things and then humans and it, it also reads that they were made in god's likeness too as well so when adam goes and names all the animals it says that he couldn't find a suitable partner for him and so god took his rib and created from the for, from a human another human and male female so he didn't just create another species to make a partner for him it was already created and distinct already so he created from what was already there the bible said that god first put adam in a deep sleep well i'm sure if it you know, if it's not metaphorical and it is actual literal that his rib was taken, it would probably hurt and you wouldn't want to be awake for it. Because <laughs> I think it also reads that he, he, God sewed it back up or something, right? He filled or it something? back up with flesh. Yeah. That's what doctors do. He enclosed it with flesh. <laughs> it said that the Bible Adam named his wife Eve. Adam named his wife Eve. Is that a good name? Yes. Yes, but <laughs> um <laughs> Well, the name Eve means life. The mother so of all living. What yeah, does Adam so mean? Man. Or like Man uh, of life is uh, like what they are mixed together. Humanity, man uh, of the earth <laughs> in the Hebrew. But the name Eve, to go back to that one, it is uh, the word for life in Hebrew. And there's a little bit of significance there because... She with, would be the mother of all... Yeah, without her... Uh, well, like I was saying earlier, like God didn't just create another species for Adam. It was the same species, the humans. And a new without, species of human. No, not a new species of humans. <laughs> the same species of human. So from that, you know, all these other animals, they're multiplying. They're able to have babies and everything. So Adam and Eve, they're going to flourish as well. All right. Well, I think that's enough for now. So go to bed. Aww.
Love you. I don't want to leave the podcast already. We studied so hard for only 10 minutes. <laughs> 21 minutes. All right. Say goodbye, everyone. Good night. And now our permission to think moment. This week, based out of Philippians 4.8, we are going to think about what is admirable. Now, the word admirable is defined as that which excites the great or that of good report. There are so, so many things that happen daily that reach the news, social media, and even just word of mouth that lack something of great importance. And that is the thought of whether or not what is being said is admirable. We hear enough of the gossipy, scandalous stuff and far too much of the horrid things in the world. While that needs special, specific attention, it should not be the only thing. So what is admirable to us? I'm convinced this is one of those words that has been hijacked. It is not admirable to tell people what they want to hear regardless of the truth. It is not the stuff like, hey, I did this myself and I was really nervous about how some may think about me, but I did it anyway. And then others are like, oh, you're so brave and admirable. Really, that is not admirable. That is closer to amoralistic and selfish false morals. It borders on the line of narcissistic tendencies. What is admirable, for example, is when someone hears of a dire need like life or death and suffering or thriving, and they sacrifice of themselves their time, energy, money, etc. to fulfill that need, regardless of what might happen to them. I'm talking about running into the proverbial burning building of someone's life and putting out the flames. Or, you know, running into the literal burning building too. There is a great sacrifice for dire need. That is what excites the great. For example, if you know the extent of what Christ secured on the cross and in his resurrection, that is something we should recognize as admirable. And what's even more admirable is that God did not stop there. And that which is admirable should cause us to live differently. This week, think of things that are admirable. What has someone done in your life or someone around you that is admirable? Look for those stories. Maybe challenge yourself to read a biography on someone that excites the great and is of good report. I suggest No Compromise, the biography of Keith Green, a book that has both humbled and encouraged me. Also, think of what Christ has secured in his death and resurrection and what else he has done in your life. Honor what admirable things God has done and is doing. So this week, think of things that are admirable. So as we can see after our little discussion with Sophie and Judah, uh, there's a lot of limited look into the account of Adam and Eve and the fall of humankind. Would you agree? Yeah. Beyond the, like, beyond the simple, Yeah, we know that they are the ones who sinned. They ate an apple and, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, and and I think this is... There's so much in chapters two and three of Genesis that this could be many, many episodes. And really, it could just, you know, find a good study out there. Uh, A lot of the information that I'm going to glean from is from the the Lost World of series that uh, the Waltons, (laughs) uh, John Walton and his, what's, what's the other one's name? I forget. But anyway... They, uh, they wrote one, The Lost World of Adam and Eve, that explores Genesis chapter 2 and 3. 
so I'm going to glean from that a lot in this episode. So uh, for reference, you know, that's, that's a good book to look at. Too. It goes into great depths of how, how it's been understood in the past and uh, up against and through the lens of science and how that might be influencing interpretation and stuff. So being that this is a, a podcast on interpretation of scripture, uh, I wanted to point out a lot of stuff when it comes to approaching, especially in the Torah, especially in the Old Testament, and especially in ancient, ancient text. Uh, I mean, this is, this is a text that has been handed down for, uh, verbally and then written down, and then here's Moses and the people going through the desert and all that, and you know, it's gone through uh, a lot and has come out the other side very, very good. As, you know, as much debate as it's it, it, that this text gets, especially Genesis, uh, when it comes to science and stuff, uh, this is a text that has lasted generations and generations. So th- this is one of those things where, uh, you know, I'll just... I'll just say this, like if science is threatening your faith, then there's a different issue. It's not science. That's the issue. Um, the science should not, or anything else, you know, anything else that's trying to inform us of what we should believe, that should not be informing us. Uh, and, and that's the issue, I think. Uh, but coming, to, coming back to Adam and Eve, and uh, the Genesis chapter 2 and 3, the text provides uh, that God did things like create. You know, and, and that's an amazing thing because you look at, at the world today, uh, whether you think it's in a horrible state or not, the world itself, that created thing, is something that came from the creative mind of God. And it is genius. It's amazing. So, you know, talking about science, science maybe that should help us uh, help inform us at how amazing creation is, especially how humans are. I mean, if you, if you ever look at a human eyeball, you know, those, I, I don't know what they're called, but they basically die and then come back so you can continue to see. Like when you look at a bright light and you see those spots, the spots end up going away because whatever is in your eye like grows back and it's an amazing Sometimes. thing. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes so, you just go blind. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, side note, don't stare at the sun or anything. All right, you didn't hear from us that you should do anything stupid like that. <laughs> Disclaimer. Uh, but anyway, so the text provides what God did, all right, and what he did was create, but it does not provide how he did these things. And, uh, and I think through a lot of... Biblical interpretation history, it's turned into like, oh, there's hidden clues in the text, or oh, there's this new archaeological finding, and we should look at it through this new lens. You know, it's we're like we're in the 21st century. I think by now you should stop saying that there's this new thing out there to help us interpret scripture. Um, Yeah. especially in light of, oh, we've learned this new interpretation of Scripture uh, based off of now we want to live a certain way. 
I had a dream that only God spoke this to me, and now it's how it has to be. Yes, that's questionable. So the only (laughs) thing the Bible, I mean, it says he spoke these things into existence. Yeah, going back to Genesis 1, it says that God said. Yeah. You know, and and that's an uh, just, you know, the basic utterance. Don't you wish that that could happen? I'm like I'm really <laughs> creative in my head, but I am not the person that's good at carrying it out. It's the end of the day. Uh plate of spaghetti. There you go, kids. Yep. <laughs> yep. There's certain things I'm good at doing, but other things where I'm like, I, I don't know how to make this actually come out of my brain <laughs> into existence. Yeah. That's um, pretty cool. And 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 also, like, you get into uh, creation and God said. And then we look at certain verses that are like, um, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And, and, and which is one of those that is taken out of context a lot. Um, but here, here's God speaking to the prophet Jeremiah to a, a people that, you know, they're losing or lost their, their city. Their, the temple is, is no more. They can't do anything. And this tiny little remnant is like, what about us? What's going to happen? And God speaks these words that I have a plan for you. All right. And if you look closely enough, it's not that God just said. God declared. And there's a difference. So, I mean, if God created by just simply saying, and things happen, think about the different promises that he has not just said, but declared. You know, I mean, look at, look at Jesus and what he has declared. It is done. Ooh, that just, like, that just gives me goosebumps. <laughs> you know, Jesus declares from the cross, it is done. You know, so... Yeah, there, there's some great significance in, in God just saying. Uh, but we can't read a lot into it because it doesn't, the text doesn't provide how God has created everything. All right? It just says that he was the creative mind behind it all. Now, the creating focus is on the function and role of order. The fall, uh, you know, when, when Adam and Eve ended up uh, allowing sin into this perfect creation, uh, the fall is non-order, and being allowed into this created, uh, all of which was done by sin, uh, all of that just causes all this disorder. So when creation happened, when Adam and Eve were created, and all these things were, uh, maybe a harmony is a good word, but I'd, I'd, I'd rather not use that word, but uh, things were created for a certain function, and they were functioning the way that they should. As soon as the fall happens and sin is ushered into creation, there's this non-order, and things start not functioning the way they are supposed to. And I don't know about all you guys that are listening to this, but if you just take a second and look at the world... I don't think it's functioning the way that it's supposed to be. <laughs> um, there, there's just too much. There's way too much being uh, ushered in to bring in more non-order. It's, hopefully this doesn't go way off topic, but it's what's <laughs> going through my, my head. Um, we talked about it before. I don't think we ever really did like a in-depth about like control versus sovereignty. 
because we hear yeah them. we've we've touched on it here and there but i don't think we ever did a well this is what came into my mind with this was that um so god created these things where um not only was he the creative mind he was the creator yeah and and so like you were saying harmony i get the whole he made things to function and, it, and it's not like he's standing there cranking the thing to make it keep going. Like it is, he created these things. So the sun has its orbit. The earth has its orbit. Like these things are yeah. set to, and it's not that he also is hands off where he says, now go and do it. But there is an aspect of it that he's involved, but he is sovereign in the fact that, okay, so they, they sinned. There was, a, there was a consequence for the sin. And if you look at the world, I mean, it's pretty much action and consequence, like this just big, yeah, big cycle of it. And there's a part of me that thinks, you know, people throw around the word control with God. God's in control. That's when, that's when I would say I understand the people who say they don't want to have anything to do with a God who would do these things or allow these things to happen. And if we say God's in control in the middle of this horrible situation – that's where I kind of would go, then I am going to question God a little bit because he's obviously not because it's chaos yeah. versus he's sovereign over it all. He knows what is happening. It's not that he can't get involved um, or that he won't, but, and maybe I'm way off, but that just makes me feel like, okay, he's got this little manipulative puppet thing going on and he's controlling these aspects for yeah. his good versus he can make it all for his good. But we're in a sinful world that is just following its rotation of Pretty, yeah. decisions. I, I, I completely agree because I, I, I've never really liked that, that saying, like, God is in control. You know, and it has a great sound to it. But then if you really think about it, God's not really that kind of a dictator. You know, he, and, and to have control of what's going on in the world, like, is he the, just this puppeteer? Like, trying to scheme his uh his puppets the way that he wants them and and to act the way that they want but let's be honest if god were in control and doing those things then no there would be more order in this world the thing is people are making their choices which was a gift from god this freedom of choice and they are choosing not order but non-order and disorder they're they're We'll, we'll get into it a little bit when we yeah. get to talk but, about sin. But that's just where I kind of, of was getting, like, yeah. that he's sovereign. And maybe there's people that use the word control, meaning, or thinking sovereign. But yeah. when we think of I, control... I think, I think that's also true. There's, I guess the analogy just came to my mind of going, you're in control of the wheel, but you just sit there and you don't hold it and you go into oncoming traffic. Like, that's kind of what I... In some of these situations, yeah. okay, I'd be like, if God's in control, he's awfully hands off of the situation. <laughs> um, yeah. So that would be insert him into Adam and Eve. Yeah. So is he just sitting back with his feet kicked up and, you know, I, like, that, whoa, didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. So it's like he's sovereign over it. He gave them an instruction. And he, and he also provided a way out, to get yeah. out of that disorder and non order. So that yes. was where you want the free will. Do we want a puppeteer God or do we want a free will God? We want a free will God when it has to do with everything that we want to do. 
we want to control God about anything bad. Yeah, if it's against us, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think this is this is how we've interpreted Scripture so poorly. Because, uh, yeah, it's it, like I said, it sounds great, but really, if you think about it, we need to use the right terminology um, it, when you look at it a little bit more closely. Because control is not the word that we should be using, especially if we're thinking sovereignty. Is it in... Is control actually in the Bible? Because I feel like anytime I hear or see it, it's about well, God's about, sovereignty. Yeah, and, and how about this? Search the word control, and I bet you'll be shocked to learn, maybe, I don't know, uh, that we are supposed to be in control of ourselves. Self control. Self control. Yeah. And we all, we just want God to, that's another aspect of this whole thing about God being in control. We want God to be in control because we just can't do it ourselves. Well, it's almost. We're supposed to, we're we're called to have self control. But it's also, it's a a blame game in a sense. Yeah. Where so, so Eve then says, you know, the serpent, or Adam says, my wife gave this to me. And then she says, well, the serpent did it. Well, then it's kind of the same thing of going, well, if God wants it to happen, it will happen. If he doesn't, he doesn't because he's the one in control. So no matter what I do, it'll happen. Yeah, that's that's another iffy thing. Like so, some, maybe sometimes, but that that's a whole like it's out of my hands, almost like a pilot type of thing. I'm washing my hands of this. You do your thing. Yeah. And um, Pontius Pilate, you mean? Yes. Not like an airplane like pilot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hands off. Hands off. <laughs> Jesus, take the stick. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, like uh, it, how we we are informing ourselves of what we think Scripture might be uh, communicating to us. Uh, we have to remember a lot of stuff, especially when it comes to the Old Testament, especially the Torah and things like this. Like we just, you know, I'm I'm getting tired that people are turning around saying that oh if. If you believe in the, in the Bible, if you're a Christian, you must be against science. You're anti-science. And it's like, that's that's not even the topic. You know, that's not even on our minds. You know, uh, hopefully it's not on our minds. Uh, because like I said, <clears throat> like I said earlier, science can help us be informed of what scripture is providing us. Um I mean, I'm not saying only look at Scripture through the lens of a scientific outlook or anything like that, but sometimes uh, when we try to interpret Scripture, uh, first of all, the, uh, how, our, how we've been culturally shaped. You know, if you're going to grow up and you're fascinated with scientific stuff, that's awesome, and that's probably going to be one of those things that's going to influence you. So, for example... You might want to pick apart Genesis 1 through 3, and you might want to get so informed about that, and that's awesome. Me, on the other hand, I grew up, I love music, so I'm going to go to the Psalms, <laughs> you know? So it's not, it's not good or bad. It's just this is how we approach certain things because this is how we've been culturally uh, uh, shaped to to our likings and all that now i'm not saying that just because you're into one thing that you neglect the whole whole of scripture that's that's not what i'm saying we need to accept all of what scripture uh informs us 
Now, second, uh, we have to also remember that translation is interpretation. So even, even going off topic of scripture, how is our interpretation of science informing us of how the world functions? You know, never mind how, how the translation of scripture ha- that is informing us is shaping our, our outlook. How about everything that we translate? You know, not just language. I'm talking about science, medical stuff, uh, finances, uh, how you, you're trying to read your loved one right now. Like, oh, she's being really quiet. I think I did something wrong. And then it's like, oh, I had a great day just spending time with you. You know, like totally read that one wrong. <laughs> uh, but there's this understanding that we need to have that when it comes to translation, that is also interpretation. So we have to be aware of how we are interpreting things that we are uh, reading or being told. All right. So, so now going back to scripture, we have to understand that the Bible must also speak for itself. All right. So if, if scripture is going to inform us and maybe we have a better understanding of it, through scientific understanding, we, ha- we need to keep uh, this at the forefront of our minds that the Bible must speak for itself. We cannot allow uh, Scripture to, uh, I'm sorry, we, we cannot la- allow science to inform what Scripture is communicating. We need to allow Scripture to communicate what Scripture is saying and not anything else. So that comes to this, this fourth thing about authority. So we were talking about God when he just simply said, you know, he had that authority of just, you know, he said and things came into creation. Now, the Bible is not written to us, even if it is written for us. It was not written in our language. Right? It doesn't address our culture directly, and it doesn't answer today's immediate questions of how the world functions. All right? Therefore, we cannot place and authority such as things like science, philosophy, social movements, etc. All right, we cannot place those as an authority on scripture. All right, and the reason why is first of all, we are elevating those things above scripture. You know, if if scripture is God breathed and we put something above that, we are making that its own idol. We're making that our Bibles. We're making those things the, the deities that we follow, and we can't do that. We need to allow Scripture to, to inform us uh, and uh, to speak for itself. Um, so authority is already the author who, uh, who penned Scripture given by the author who inspired the writing. All right, so like I said earlier, you know, God, with that authority, he just simply spoke, and it is, all right? Follow that, not just what anybody will say anything about Scripture. Uh, No one has the authority on interpreting Scripture either, because it places restrictions on God's purpose in in what was originally communicated, uh, which is the communication of of God's authority, all right? Especially, I mean, you look at the Genesis account, that's God's authority being displayed. You know, in creation, boom, it happened. Who else did that? 
it's only the it's only God, the one and only that has the authority to do that those kinds of things. So, so Genesis is you know it it's communicating his authority of his creation, including humans and our dilemma, and hence uh, Jesus' sacrificial death and resurrection and the authority that he had there as well. Do you have anything on that before we? Or do you want to just start talking about sin? sin. (laughs) You want to talk about sin? All right. So I think a lot of our understanding, and I, I wanted to go through this whole spiel about the authority of Scripture and how to appropriately uh, approach Scripture, uh, because I think our view of sin and how the fall came about is going to be tested, especially realizing, wait, I've been looking at this through a certain lens. I've been looking at it philo- philosophically, uh, maybe looking at it through a lens of science or, you know, my culture that I'm living in currently or had been growing up in, uh, that has been informing me. But really what it comes down to is that when we look at what the account in creation is showing us, especially in chapters two and three, is that there is this non-order that has been brought into creation. And if we look at chapter one of Genesis, we see that God, when he created everything, he took things that were in chaos and put them in order. Uh, The significance of the separation between water and land, you know, water in the ancients' minds, it was something that was of chaos. And uh, you look in uh, the book of Job and in Psalms where it's talking about the Leviathan, you know, this serpentine creature that represented chaos and it shows uh in certain in certain language that it was brought under control and it was done away with it was something that was tamed and now yes there's order but then in chapter uh chapters two and three we look at that and we see now the fall of humankind has happened and sin has entered the world. So now, what do you have to say about sin, hon? <laughs> That's really broad. Sin <laughs> sucks. <laughs> there. You should make a shirt that says that. Sin sucks and Satan's a jerk. <laughs> um, I don't know. That, that's too broad. Like, yeah. We need to... What aspect of it are we talking about? Well, I don't. We don't have to talk about a specific sin, but no, but, but the effects of the effects of creation, I guess. How it's how it has affected creation. In every way, shape, and form. It's ruined it. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, for starters, what is sin? Anything that separates from God. It, it well, I think that's the result of it. You know, at like when we do that, yes, it's it's not getting us closer to God. You know, and it and it really puts a damper on the relationship there. <laughs> Pretty know. much any sin, though, is an action or inaction that 
is not loving God and not loving another. That doesn't mean any sin that you do, you could apply those to, I think. Like, if you sin against somebody, you are not loving another, which is a main command. Well, and the kids were talking about this, too, in the beginning when we asked them, hey, what's the difference between sin and temptation? And, you know, that, that temptation to take that, which was, it looked good, it, it was pleasing, and it looked like it was going to be yummy, you know. Uh, whatever it is that we desire after, it's, we are going towards something for our own fulfillment. That we're, we're desirous of certain things that are pretty much off limits, you know, we're trying to take control of the situation. We're trying to fulfill a need where God should be that fulfillment. You know, it, it's, and I don't like the, the word rebellion because really it's, that's also broad. Like we can, yes, we do it purposely rebelling, rebelling against, rebelling, rebelling against the Lord, but also sometimes we just, don't know better as well you know sometimes we've like like i keep saying that our culture has informed us certain things are okay and that's why we need to know scripture a lot better um here's a i'm going to read this from the lost world of adam and eve and uh if you have the book (laughs) which yeah maybe you probably don't uh it's on pages 143 through 144 uh, and he wrote, it is, childish, it is a childish sort of response. I can do it myself, or I want to do it my way. These are not a rejection of authority per se, but an insistence on independence. The act is an assertion that it's all about me, and it is one that has characterized humanity individually and corporately since the first act, when people as a source of and center of wisdom, the result was not order centered on them, but disorder. This disorder extended to all people of all time, as well as to the cosmos, and life in God's presence was forfeited. So, I, I mean, we, t- we take a look at God put things in order, and then here's humanity saying, we want to we do things our way. And as a result... You know, and, you know, take the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I'm not saying that wisdom is like bad or anything like that, but that's what they wanted. They, ta- they wanted to take that, uh, that knowledge of good and evil and use it in order to take control of their own wantings and their own desires and their own, uh, they wanted their own order. But what happened is the result was disorder. All right, and another, do you have anything huh, before I read this one? Um, in pages 151 to 152, among its many deleterious effects, sin has made us low-functioning creatures, and the paltry order that we manage to bring is a caricature of what God has intended us for. Now, I'm going to read that part again because I think the word caricature describes it very well. Um, And the paltry order that we manage to bring is a caricature 
of what God has intended, intended us for. All of creation groans. In this state of delayed order and rampant disorder, the latter being the result of sin. That sin is <clears throat> that sin is most basically manifested in the idea that we thought we could do better than God. A delusion that still plagues all of us. You know, like trying to take control and have our own order that's just bringing disorder. I love how uh, he, he describes it, that it's just a caricature of what God really has for us. You know, we, we want to prosper. We want to have that, that life that is filled with promises being fulfilled and uh, all the other things that we desire. But when we take control of those things, we not only forfeit what the what God has in store for us, but we also forfeit many other things, such as the call to have self-control. You know, we try to take control of all this other stuff and and take order of that, but really, what about our own self-control? I think altogether, probably the greatest lesson out of it is you need to be in the Word. You need to be seeking after God. The closer you are with Him, um, the easier it'll be to... I'm not saying that temptation won't come after you, but it's not going to be... Um, it's not going to be maybe as much of a fight. And, I mean, I think of... I've heard it said that temptation it comes from the things that you desire... Which can be true, but I don't feel like I I don't feel like that was true in Jesus's case. Like we don't see Jesus desiring to have all of the, these things that Satan brought before him, and well, it, some of it, yeah. But he already had it. <laughs> um, it's it's more, but he was one with God, but not not because he is one with God. More that he he spent time with God every day. He had his greatest desire was to do his father's will. So when Satan came after him with these things, um, they were a temptation, but it was, like I said, easy is not necessarily the right word, but he, he was ready with a response. Yeah. He was ready where we like to live in this time of living on the edge. How close can I get to these things and still say, Hey, I'm a great Christian because I didn't cross that line versus I am so one with the heart of God that my desires line up with God's desires versus, look, I didn't actually act on this thing. And that's um, like two examples came to mind where, well, I think it was Paul, I'm assuming, I think it was Paul, that says, obviously, he wishes everybody to be single like him. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but then he says, like, the desire for sex is not the issue it is that you're going after it with anybody and whoever you possibly want at that time and he says have your own spouse to fulfill that desire with so when you are feeling that desire you're not seeking after it in all of these other ways that god did not intend um and then even old testament i think of like joseph so potiphar's wife came and tried to tempt him and the thing and i look at that and tempt i don't feel like joseph was tempted like 
I don't know how to explain that. Like yeah. you, we use the word in a way that's like, oh, that's tempting. Yeah. I want to eat that piece of pie, but I won't. Like, yeah. I don't when even you, think he was like, I when, would, but yeah. I shouldn't. He when ran. You, when you throw yourself at another person like a hussy, that's not a temptation. That's just a, a blatant. Yeah. I think sometimes, <laughs> you know? I think sometimes temptation is the fact that it's available for you. Yeah. So like, it's not that you were necessarily and, and, desiring it. Yeah. And I don't want to miss out on it yeah. either. Yeah. Well, and there was, um, there was a Christian leader. I was reading a book that he and his son wrote and he, he, um, wrote how like he and his wife's relationship, um, the certain things that he did to make sure that she felt and knew that he loved her and wanted her because he said, I traveled all the time and yes, like opportunities presented themselves as in you know he was approached by people he you know he was in situations where I could have done something but I didn't because I love my wife and I want my wife I didn't want that so there's temptation where it's like it's available sometimes yes you want it and you do have to say no and sometimes it's like just because it was there doesn't mean you wanted it so like that's why I tempted is just such a weird word because yeah. I would say, I am tempted to eat that, but I really shouldn't. Yeah. Versus there's and times where you might go, it's there. I don't even want it. Yeah. And, and bringing up the temptations that Satan threw on Jesus, like, hey, do all this and do that, and this will happen. And really, and like you said, like Jesus, it was already Jesus. But I think what Satan was uh, maybe approaching him with, tempting him with, was a shortcut. You know, don't, if all this happens, just, and, and Jesus probably was probably thinking, man, maybe I won't have to go through the crucifixion. Like, maybe I, I won't have to die. I think he knew those things. Yeah. Um, but like I, said, I think a lot of it was that he was one with the heart of God. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's where, obviously, yes, we're going to be tempted. We're going to have sinful thoughts. I don't think everybody deals with the same things. I know some people don't agree with that. I think there are some women who will deal with some things that another woman never will. Same with men. Um, But the closer you are with God, I mean, Paul went through life single because his main mission was to carry out the will of God in his life. Um, And it is. It's harder when when you're in a relationship, especially, well, I'd say it's harder whenever you're not lined up (laughs) in whatever that will is. Um, But whatever it is, when your des- when the desires of your heart are the desires of God's heart, those other things coming at you don't look like a temptation as much. Yeah. That's why the they, word temptation is so weird to me because we use it so oddly. Yeah. Like you could show me something and say, you want this? It looks good. And I could say, ew, no. Yeah. So like they're trying to tempt me, but I'm not tempted because I don't want that thing. Yeah. So that's it's just a weird it's a weird word. Yeah. <laughs> so. and, and really, like you said, it it's going to apply to one person, but it's not going to with another one. Whatever temptation you might have, um, uh, like you mentioned, eating something, and it was like, well, that will fulfill that desire quicker. It'll be that shortcut rather than the long run. Uh, the goal of whatever, lose weight, yeah. less calorie, whatever, whatever that goal is. And, uh, and really that's what temptation is. We want to go towards that shortcut. We would rather the easy way. And 
I think it's very clear that uh, in Scripture, especially in the New Testament, uh, that it's not going to be easy, and it's going to be hard. And all the more reason why we need Christ to strengthen us and guide us, and um, and for us to recognize that God does have that sovereignty over it, and that He can empower us to have that self-control. <laughs> yeah, and He gives you He gives you a way out. He said, "You'll never be tempted beyond what." Um, not what you can handle. Hate when people say God won't yeah. give you what you can't handle. But you, you can never say I couldn't help it. Yeah. Because as God, a Christian, yeah. I think the one thing that God continuously has order and has held order is our free will. Yeah. Because it is our choice to act on that temptation. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, taking a look at uh, Genesis two. And three, a little bit closer. Uh, there's so much stuff there. There is. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Like it, it could take us like a whole season to just to look at chapters two and three, and uh, maybe throwing one in there as well. Uh, but um, yeah, there's a lot. And if you want us to hit on any of those other things, as far as like the meaning of the rib, uh, oh, the kids didn't. One of them mentioned why the garden was in the middle. Judah mentioned the tree being in the middle of yeah. the garden. Yeah. And, and uh, this is something I heard. I don't know if it's an actual legitimate good uh, interpretation or understanding of what the significance of it being in the middle is. Um, the old adage that if you're walking into the woods, how far can you walk into it? Halfway. Because once you hit that halfway mark, you're now walking out of it. It's that middle mark. So if you're in the middle in the garden and you travel outside of that, you're moving away from it. And I think, and honestly, like, I love that. <laughs> I like that translation. I just don't know if it's accurate or not. Because what is, what is our journey now? What has Christ done on the cross and in his resurrection but to, to make that way back to how it is that, it was supposed to be the whole time. He brought a way to bring order back. He brought this way to go back to how the garden should be. Um, yeah. So walk that direction and don't leave it. <laughs> and when we had touched on um, the the episode that we did on over over thinking. Or like too much simulation and too many oh, thoughts. Oh, yeah, yeah. I kind of th I think of that when I think of the tree. It's like, I mean, all Adam and Eve really knew was what God gave them and what they had. And it was a beautiful life. Um, and th through <laughs> eating from this tree, there's, there's that aspect of it, too, where I'm thinking, thanks, guys. Like, I didn't want to <laughs> have to handle because there, there's just too much for one person's brain to fully, fully differentiate, handle, I don't know the words. Yeah. Like, uh, there's a capacity to the human yeah. brain. It's like, and I'm glad I know what evil is and I know what good is, but in part, yeah. I kind of wish, couldn't you have just left it real good? Like, yeah. And we, we touched that, uh, we touched on that on, what was it, two weeks ago on Torah and Law. I think it was two weeks ago. I know we touched and, on it yeah. at some point. And then the one that you were talking about was uh, Overload. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, episode two. 
Okay. Yeah. 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 So there's like that piece of it that's like, man, man. Things are just getting weaved together this season, aren't they? Yeah. 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 I like the weaving. Uh, so how about some takeaways now? I feel like I just did that. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we we do hit a lot on different takeaways, but something that maybe stuck to the forefront of our minds, if you have anything. No. no. I I really I touched on the things that Yeah. I I'll do the Ray Lynn one. <laughs> Read your Bible. <laughs> Just, uh, just, just read it. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, but honestly, yeah, I, read it and read it through that lens that is not, only, not going to inform you that that's how scripture should be. Let scripture inform you yeah. what scripture is saying. It's like approach Reading. scripture with all... Uh, presuppositions yeah set set aside aside. and yeah um which can definitely be hard (laughs) yeah (laughs) but uh it's very interesting whenever things start really popping out and making more sense or even cause you to question things that you're like i never really thought about that before I i remember when we were at valley forge they were like is someone i think a chapel speaker or something mentioned that when Saul got knocked off his horse and Jesus spoke to him and then he became Paul and it was like, everybody's like, the Bible doesn't say that he got knocked off a horse. It doesn't say that he was riding a horse and all this. It's like, well, calm down there, (laughs) first of all. And uh, yeah, like, yeah, I understand. Like, you don't need to embellish on what scripture says, but... You also don't need to completely. You don't. That yeah. that's like not a heretical thing. <laughs> yeah, that, it's not. I mean, <laughs> now, if you're totally changing what happened. Yeah. There, yeah. that'd be different. Yeah. And then this angel came and gave him a plate of spaghetti. <laughs> I mean, and that's kind of like I'm gonna give a little plug for, um, like the Chosen series. I know it's gotten like we haven't gotten around to watching it yet. We know yeah, a lot of people that do, but bad. it's one of those where like the creator has said like he's had to be mad at him for there being things in it that aren't in the Bible. And he said, I've never intended to make this in place of the Bible. Like this isn't me saying here's word for word scripture. He said, you know, we dig into the stories. So I think I watched the first episode. It's like Peter has a wife and stuff. And he's like, I'm just digging into building these characters up to give you a better idea. I said, but in no way is this supposed to be me putting these things into scripture. Yeah. Um, and so then that's, that's where the difference it's is. It's not a supplement yeah. either. He's, he's, <laughs> I mean, it's a show. It is, it's entertainment. It yeah. tells the heart of the gospel, but builds, cause you know that Peter had a wife. You don't really know anything about her. Yeah. So it's just sort of his way of, well, here's how I would imagine Peter's relationship with his wife to be. Yeah. Um, and, and like, uh, when we last season had an episode with Dr. Dost and he said like, commentaries and everything yeah they're not a supplement either and i like how he uh uh our one professor i had the same professor that he mentioned uh would say that these are conversation partners yes and really that those that kind of a show too 
let that be a conversation partner. You know, that's some that's one person's uh, point of view of how they are understanding scripture and that culture at that time. And it's like, I don't understand why people get so upset about it because, well, if you look at history, are you sinning as well? <laughs> you know, are you in the same boat as him? Like if you're looking into how Caesar, uh, Augustus or Nero behaved from a historical standpoint and look at, at those books and those shows and stuff like that. Are you being a heretic as well? You know, it, it, Does it take away from or add to scripture in a way that it shouldn't? I, I yeah. don't believe it does. It doesn't yeah. take away f- from what the gospel preaches. Yeah. I have not seen it, but I, I don't think it, it does. No. You know, I mean, if you're, I think we're getting off topic. Yeah, no, <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, like, but, there's, yeah. there's yeah. things like that where, um, is it when you're reading these things and interpreting these things, are they taking away from adding to in ways that they shouldn't? Yeah. So, like, don't look into something and start adding some weird, crazy crap on top of it and thinking <laughs> that's what the Bible says. Yeah. All right. So thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us, email us or DM us on the worldwide interweb. Our email is contact at onefear.net. Our website is onefear.net. And our Instagram and Facebook group is out there for the taking. We kind of have a Twitter, but we don't use it. <laughs> and uh, any, any other stuff that you have, let us know. And uh, thank you for listening. And per the usual... It's such good life. life.